This episode is brought to you by Peak, the blockchain for real-world applications and home of DPIN. If you think it's time for Web3 to get real, check out their website at peak.network. That's P-E-A-Q Hello everyone, Daniel from DPIN Hub over here. And today we're here with Alvaro Gracia from Borderless Capital in our podcast. Borderless Capital, I would say, is one of the biggest VC funds into the DPIN ecosystem. They've been actually enabling founders for many, many years now to actually what we know that's called DPIN. It's very exciting to have you here today in the podcast, Alvaro, and it's a pleasure. I think you're one of the, my favorite like VC people that I know. I don't know that many, but I, I really like spending time with you, talking about projects and ideas. And yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Could we get started? Maybe you talk a bit about yourself, about your background, etc. Sure. So great to be here, Daniel. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. So my background lies in, in economics. That's kind of the lens that I use to, to see deep in and, and Web3 and everything I do. After studying economics, um, I joined Deloitte as an auditor, then did an, a, a, a master. And during that master, as the master thesis, I did a research on Bitcoin. Uh, it was 2015, so it was pretty novel. I didn't need to go too deep on that one because it was already a very innovative topic but it made me fall through the rabbit hole and since then uh yeah i had the virus so did more research on the economic side for me it has been mind-boggling to understand such a limited supply asset that is you know a breakthrough in economics uh, an asset with a limited supply that's that's unique to bitcoin and then when i started understanding the technical aspects of it it's when I felt really in love with something that is the most secure da distributed database that there could ever be, how the security of Bitcoin works, how everything is just so well designed from the very beginning that it has been working nonstop uh, since, since uh, 2009. So that's uh, something that really caught my attention. After that, I started working at Telefonica. So started in the accelerator, which is called Waira. It's a global accelerator in more than 11 countries, I, I believe. And um, what I learned there is more about venture capital, which was outside of my background. And after some years in White, I jumped to Telefonica Ventures, which is the corporate venture capital of Telefonica, ended up being the head of US investments, uh, managing a global portfolio of startups and VC funds for the corporate. So that was my journey into VC. And at some point, telco, my telco brand background and my interest in Bitcoin, blockchain, Web3 came together when, thanks to Borderless, I discovered Helium. And then it, it was just a love story with Deepin. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, I think telecom has everything to do with crypto and to Deepin, right? Especially coming from Helium, whatever Helium is doing now with Helium Mobile, uh, with the LoRa, in all of all the different projects that come into the, the world. It's been super interesting to see that. Uh, can you maybe give an intro about Borderless Capital for those who don't know who they are? Sure. So Borderless is a Web3 asset manager. So we are exclusively Web3. And one of the most interesting things about Borderless is the amount of investments that we've done more than 200 since 2018. We tend to think ourselves as ecosystem builders. So we focus a lot in certain ecosystems where we really like the narrative. One of them for sure is Deepin. So we really like to go deep into those ecosystems and have a lot of conviction. We have also a fund that is more diversified, let's say, because from 
all the deep flow that we get from these ecosystem funds, uh, we, we have to get very in-depth, yeah. It's been really interesting just to see the work that you guys have been doing uh, on mainly on deeping. Deeping is the angle that I follow the most, as you know, uh, and, and you guys have been really enabling a lot of this space to actually happen, right? All the different projects, so many cool things that happen that definitely have a little bit of finger of you guys like pushing it forward. Uh, so that's very interesting. And thanks for that, for sure. One thing that I like to ask some, a lot of the founders and, and people in the space, on your own words, how would you explain uh, deeping or decentralized fiscal infrastructure networks, let's say? Sure. I tend to explain deeping for muggles as, you know, if a telco could reward you, for example, for setting up uh, an antenna in your home, right? Uh, the telco would reward you in shares. With, with blockchains and with Web3, we can build systems that are way more efficient uh, and, and that work better. That is the deeping model. So actually deploying physical infrastructure using tokens to incentivize and to reward the community. I, I really think that is something that is, is an amazing innovation. I think eventually the helium, the initial helium IoT deployment of over what, 1 million hotspots around the world in the span of like a year, eventually it will make it through the economic history books because nobody has been able to deploy such a vast infrastructure so geographically distributed in, in such a small period of time. That's something that if you think about it from a telco perspective or a centralized per perspective, it's impossible to do, right? So that's really the magic of, of Deepin, that you're able to align the incentives and to coordinate so many people in so different jurisdictions around the world for a common good. For me, that's the secret sauce of, of Deepin. Yeah, I think that's why it's quite hard a lot of times to mention Deepin and not, not mention Helium, right? Because what they managed to do in terms of community building excitement, man, it give, gives me the, like, the goosebumps just to remember uh, how exciting was the time in 2021 when we we're actually deploying the hotspots, you know, like climbing roofs and doing all those things. And that was just like the genesis of this excitement that it's it spent to like over a hundred or hundreds of projects already, right? Like uh, whatever it happened three, four years ago, now it's it's a new category that, I mean, even in the last three years, it changed name many times and it, and it will probably change name again. So that's something that's really exciting to follow. Totally. I think um, Helium is one of the most interesting projects and now that it has uh, finally found product market fit with Helium Mobile and this, uh, this, this plan available in the U.S. for $20 nationwide. I think it's a no-brainer right now for any American to jump on board that plan. $20, you have unlimited data, T-Mobile uh, connectivity when there's no Helium, uh, Helium network available. I think it's going to spark another great cycle of, of expansion for the Helium network. And we're seeing that already, right? Yeah, it's been super exciting. Yes. Yeah, sadly, IoT has always been a promise that never really takes off. It's not a problem of helium. It's a problem of the underlying technology. Like there's really low adoption on IoT solutions on the telco centralized aspect or on the distributed aspect with uh, helium lower one. But I think time will come. And uh, the thing is that there's many frictions, right, from... Uh, hardware manufacturing uh, to solution building, all the middleware that is involved. So, you know, it, it will take more time because there's more friction. Helium Mobile, on the other way, is just, you know, just downloading an eSIM. There's extremely low friction. So that's why I see so much potential on, on, this, on this network. 
Yeah, exactly. I think the the friction is something that's very important for fast scale, right? I've seen a lot of projects that you don't need to buy an actual physical hardware to start using it. Uh, you can see the projects like, I don't know, for example, the grass, they install like a Chrome plugin or others that you just put a or silencio, they just put a phone app on your phone. You can see that they have sticking scale quite quick. There's lower friction, but on the other side, with dedicated hardware, there's higher retention. And sometimes dedicated hardware is, is needed, right? So I think it's a trade-off, but it's, yeah, it's to see. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, on the I agree with you on the IoT side. It's much harder because for the demand side, you actually need usually a lot of times you need to build the hardware itself. And just that part of building the hardware takes like two, three years, right? Uh, slowly, we've seen growth on the IoT side. But yeah, comparing to just install a SIM card on your phone and start using it, uh, it's much, much faster, right? Pick is a layer one blockchain designed to power DPINs. Why do DPINs choose to build on Peak? It's fast, scalable, low-cost offer builders are ready to deploy DPIN SDK and it's multi-chain. So when you build on Peak, you're building for all Web3. Peak is home for the fastest growing DPIN projects, with more than 100,000 vehicles and devices deployed, over a dozen DPINs already building, and the world-leading device manufacturers such as Boss partner with them. Think of building a DPIN? Peak has a grand program for DPIN builders. If you're listening to this, remember, you're early. The Peak Network will launch in the first half of 2024. Check out Peak's channels for more details and links in the podcast description. Whenever you guys are looking at deploying the capital, looking, what are the biggest challenges for a VC firm or for Borderless, for example, when you wanted to invest in crypto or in deeping projects? Well, generally, one of the key aspects is being able to analyze so much deal flow and to analyze so, uh, such a vast amount of projects that there is in, in this category. Um, another key thing is analyzing tokenomics uh, and being able to understand what's the token value accrual mechanism and how you know the token is an integral part of the project because some, some projects have a token that is just governance or, or with very limited utility. We take a look very deeply into that and on the other, the, the most important thing for us is to see a real conviction on the on the founding team and, and also skin in the game. I think those those are the some of the most challenging aspects to, to find in these projects. Also during bull markets, uh, and we will increasingly see this, noise increases exponentially. Uh, generally, bear markets are great for, for these investors because we can take time, you know, do proper due diligence and research during bull markets. Everything has to be more uh, faster and, and more active, of course, uh, not compromising the, the, the quality and our fiduciary duty. So that's th those are some of the most interesting challenges. And also taking into account our responsibility, right? I, I tend to think that our responsibility is to dampen the volatility of these markets being able to you know, support the projects while the markets are down and no other investors are looking into this space and also um, trying to uh, as, as well create that margin of safety when the market is overvalued and, and there's just too much attention. So one thing comes with the other and we take a lot of focus on risk management at Borderless. So that's very important. Yeah, definitely helping a lot. And I mean, I've been building Hotspot for the past three years and then we started basically when the market was picking up for the next last cycle and then we built throughout the bear market. Hopefully the market is changing, at least it feels like it. 
Uh, I don't want to like, you know, put the carriage in front of the horses, like we say in Portuguese. Uh, but hopefully we're going to get to the bet better times that things are going to be a little bit easier and more exciting. I was thinking that, uh, I mean, right now we are seeing a, lo a lot of conditions uh, aligning for uh, an next bull market, right? This is not financial advice. I have to say that, of course, nothing in this in this talk, right? But uh, we are seeing on the monetary side, uh, rates peaking, and there's a, a lot of market consensus on interest rates peaking. And uh, there's a lot of consensus as well on interest rates going down uh, towards 2024. That's very bullish for risk assets because capital will have to find other ways to increase yield. And uh, crypto uh, is, is uh, Web3 is one of the most interesting areas as well. Another key part is that, you know, the technology and the infrastructure, as we are seeing in this, in this ecosystem, has improved a lot. Even if we go through bear markets, people keep building, teams keep, keep shipping. And now we are seeing, for example, um, extremely high performance layer ones that are going to be able to, you know, accommodate the next uh, hundreds of millions of users into this ecosystem. And that's very promising as well. And then obviously, sadly, there's a lot of geopolitical instability. That's really interesting for something that is let's say global and stateless and borderless like like is web3 right not to mention the potential approval of the bitcoin etf so i think everything is aligning in my opinion uh for for the coming years to to be really interesting yeah i'm excited the thing like before i, I didn't sleep much and now i'm sleeping even less uh but i <laughs> But it's good because I wake up early in the morning, like super excited to see what's happening, what we're building, all the excitement is moving up again. Uh, it feels back to a couple of years ago when things were like very interesting. You guys are an investor in uh, all over the world, right? Like I think uh, you have US, Europe, uh, India, many places. How do yeah, you see... We're borderless, man. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's why the name, exactly. Uh, how do you uh, understand the regulatory part of crypto in terms of investing because i think that's something that a lot of people don't understand right it's still quite new borderless is a registered investment advisor with the sec so we take compliance and we take regulation very seriously right now one of the i mean we always uh, have to operate in some kind of grayscale in the sense of, of, of regulation wise because there's not a lot of uh, regulatory certainty but what we take a look is obviously uh, try to stay away from anything that could be the mass security and try to look closer at projects that uh, have fair launches and that are as similar as possible to Bitcoin, which is clearly not a security, right? So what we take a look is try to, to, to um, prioritize projects that, you know, have a launch where most of the tokens are generated by hardware or by community participation. That's generally very positive in terms of regulation. And, and then I think, I, I hope that we will see some progress in the next years uh, in, in the regulation, because I think it's critical for the US and, and for almost every jurisdiction to accommodate this technology, uh, to be able to manage the, the, the positive and the not so positive aspects of this but, you know, this is a Pandora's box, right? When, when you open this kind of innovation, there's no way of closing it. 
So the best way is just to have it onshore, to have it as, as best regulated as possible, as to be able to attract innovation and, and to be able to accrue such, such an important industry that is going to provide many jobs, a lot of innovation, a lot of capital efficiency, and, and through dipping, a lot of infrastructure, real services, phone plans for $20, and many other <laughs> very interesting things that are impossible uh, without Web3 technology. So. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, the US sometimes is like very fast, like very forward in terms of enabling technology, sometimes very backwards, right? Uh, that up to the point that sometimes some some entrepreneurs wanted to leave the US to go to Europe or other countries where it's a little bit easier to interact with the crypto and the SEC and everything like that. But I think it's in the best interest of the US, honestly, not only because uh, through uh, stable coins, they are able to export the US dollar and to reach new markets with, you know, uh, and positioning better the dollar as, a, as, as it is already one of the key crypto uh, reserve assets uh, a la par with, with Bitcoin. In terms of volume, stable coins are even higher than Bitcoin. So I think they should closely look at that, you know, crypto is an ally to expanding uh, the value of the US dollar abroad. Uh, I think yeah. that's a really uh, powerful uh, value proposition, I think, for government and regulators. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And also fair regulation, right? I think uh, crypto being unregulated opens too many doors to uh, unknown features. So if you are actually a, a serious company, not like a DJ in person trying to like get some meme coins, you're trying to build a real company, real assets, bring value. And if you're operating in a gray zone, it gets quite complicated. So if you actually know how to do, know the taxes that you need to pay and know how to play the game, then you can just play safe and focus on actually bringing value and building cool things, right? I think uh, I really hope that we're going to move more towards that angle than being like a DJ. Totally. And I think that, you know, DPN also opens up the mindset of regulators and the government, and they are finally able to see what's the real value proposition of this technology, right? So I think it has a, a big role to play as an industry in, in driving better regulation for the ecosystem. Uh, on similar topic, uh, if there was a company, a startup that come to you asking for advice, they wanted to deploy, they, they have an idea for a new project. What kind of advice would you give to startup founders that they're trying to build a deep in project in the crypto market? I'll, I'll say the, the three that come on top of my mind. First, simplicity is always better than overcomplicating things. And that happens at the token economics layer, at the technology layer, um, you know, everything that you can simplify. In Tesla, for example, they, see, they say uh, the best piece is no piece, right? And I think in, in, in any kind of technology, that's, uh, that's applicable. Reduce complexity always helps. The other key part would be um, find a proper ecosystem in terms of a high performance layer one that is going to support, that is well-performing, that is going to attract capital because that will be the dry powder that, you know, uh, that, that will be used to deploy that deep in. So being able to partner with a strong ecosystem or a highly specialized one is also very important. And yeah, also use the available technology that is out there. Uh, yeah. So try to reinvent the wheel because, you know, the ecosystem right now it's well-developed. We have great tools for many aspects as the blockchain-based layers, but also a lot of infrastructure from wallets, a lot of open source code that can be reused. And I think that's 
huge to leverage. And the last, but probably also the most important, is uh, focus on the demand side, right? You have to be able to create something that is useful for, for the people. So if you focus on the demand side, which would be similar to for a company saying focus on the product, right? So for a DP network, they have to focus on, on the demand side on creating something really useful. I think there's many projects that are doing this very well and we're going to see more. Yeah. Yeah. That's super exciting. Um, yeah, I, I agree hundred percent with you. Whenever someone asks me about new different projects, I always look about the men side. doesn't matter if you have the best solution for something that it's kind of building a, building a product that nobody wants to buy. Right. So you can have the best equipment, but if nobody's actually using or requesting that, uh, there is no even point of building it. I think that's quite important, not necessarily only on crypto, but for any startup, let's say, right. Um, totally. what are what are like you you pay attention much more than me and, and more than many people in the actual general market of the crypto or a global market for uh deeping projects or not even necessarily deeping what are the things that you're seeing in terms of uh current global trends into investment and then could touch a little bit of deeping as well in general what i'm surprised is that in this cycle what we are seeing is a lot of traction on the deeping narrative um you know back in the time very few people used to know helium um the term deeping was coined what like yeah almost eight months ago something like that so we are very early uh but nonetheless i'm seeing more mainstream media more mains more more uh, generalistic crypto media talking about deeping more investors talking about deeping so it's it's great to see that the traction that these ecosystem is is being able to accrue um so that's that's very encouraging uh to see one of the things i really like about dipping is yeah how how it's able to bring value uh to to web3 if you think about it uh, DeFi is really interesting but at the end if we're critical about it um it's just you know crypto money exchanging for yeah. crypto money right so it's very intrinsic um dipping makes make is, is able to extend above the, the blockchain uh, borders, right, to bring value from outside. And I think the potential for that is immense. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think one thing that I like about DPN projects is that most of those projects bring value just even if you exclude crypto, they're still useful. They're bringing like real life value. And then, of course, the way they can hyperscale and hope like and grow this project super fast is through the incentives with tokens, right? Then actually the dipping is it's basically the best thing you can have. Um, and also it's something that you can tell your mom and she probably will understand. I think if you try to talk, talk to your mom about DeFi lending, she probably won't have the same like fun time and trying to understand what you're talking about. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, um, it's something that I think we've been talking for years already about dipping and, and, it does make sense. I think it's just a matter of time that more and more people are going to know about it. And it's been very interesting, even in the last three months, I guess, to see how things have been picking up, right? Um, it's happening. Yeah. Is there anything that was very surprising for you in, in the last, like, uh, let's say two years in that learning experience in getting to DPIN or, uh, or crypto in general? So one of the most interesting learnings for me uh, of this bear market, and I've been through some already, but 
in this one, I've seen it through the lenses of, you know, being close to all these projects. And I'm more and more convinced about the, the, the need for treasury management, active treasury management. Um, I mean, projects have to be aware that, you know, dipping acts as a flywheel, um, that's great, you know, price goes up, there's more incentives for, for people to deploy your hardware that brings more attention, more uses, more fundamental value. And then that comes back to price going up. Um, the problem is that through a bear market, all of that can go in reverse. You know, it can go into a negative feedback loop. And we've seen that, right? And the only way to be actually able to put the brakes on that negative feedback loop is that the projects have some kind of active uh, treasury management and are able to dampen the price. The responsibility, of course, is also on us, the professional investors, to be able to you know, dampen that volatility in the price, which will help the the negative feedback loop to, to go slower. Um, but that's that's important to consider. I think, yeah, from from a project level, DAO or foundation level, doing some treasury management, I think it's very important to be able to at least sustain at, at a minimum level um, through these, these volatile times. Yeah. Do you think a lot of founders or a lot of teams, they have this in mind or it's something that you see in just a few of them. I think it's just human psychology that markets go through uh, phases of greed and fear. Um, I think those operators need to be able to understand those emotions and overcome them. So yeah, it's yeah. that that's a complex topic. I think we, we would get into psychology probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to say that uh, you can't forget that in the end, we are just monkeys, right? Uh, because when you see that your price either going up like crazy or going down like crazy, you you lose your sense of reality or and then you just like panic or, you know, the the FOMO and the, the greed and, and fear is it's, it's real. Uh, and then you need to really step, take a step back and like try to calm down and not go on like FOMO mode, right? Uh, yeah, I think... If I have to say some, some of the best advice are to overcome greed, uh, critical thinking, and to overcome fear, the best thing is conviction. So research, deep research and conviction. And then that, that helps a lot, I think. That's a pretty good one. And then as an investor, what, is, what are the things that you're most excited about dipping? So I'm most excited about dipping with the unknowns, right? With what will happen, with which new projects will arise, where we will see the next big uh, application of dipping. I'm really curious about that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the point of, of predicting, but I'm just learning every day. Actually, one of the most interesting things will be, let's see um, how mainstream can this technology become and what's the value that brings to the world with that i think yeah yeah i think it's cool i think when people are using dipping projects without knowing that they're using dipping projects like for example i just got uh, you know like the demo device i just actually received two more on the mail today that i'm going to give as christmas gift to my friends okay. um or like for example geodnet right when when people are actually using as a demand side they don't even need to know that's crypto that people are actually deploying that uh, i think that's the, that's when you're actually doing something right yeah, for example, that, that demo device that you show me, so a great example for that, right? Uh, it, it sends data through the Helium IoT network, and you probably won't notice that. So actually, as well, the composability of deep is another thing that is going to be really interesting, how these deep combine and, and 
build synergies between them. Yeah, I mean, there's so many projects that we don't even know, right? Yesterday, I was giving a talk for Future Future Three, which is an incubator from Hashkey in in Hong Kong, and there's so many projects coming that they don't have a name, they don't have a title, they don't have a token. They're still figuring it out. So I would say the next few years is going to be super, super exciting. Uh, and I'm really happy to be part of this ecosystem. Uh, and there's still a lot to build and a lot to learn. So it's pretty interesting. Well, I would say you guys are one of the most knowledgeable and, and real OGs in deep in. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's great to have advice from you always, Daniel. It's, it's great to see the progress and such a large community that Hotspot has and how you guys are evolving. So yeah, really, really happy about it. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, we're just, we're just getting started. Uh, now with Deepin Hub as well, a new like new project. Uh, we launched actually this uh, just a few days ago officially, but it's still in beta because our roadmap is quite massive. Uh, but it, we want to grow with Deepin, right? We want to help this, the whole ecosystem grow and bring knowledge, bring education and, and make this as good as well as we can. With that in mind, do you have any final remarks? That's something that you want to tell uh, maybe to anyone or anything? So, yeah, I would say um, to everybody, let's keep an eye on this evolving deep in ecosystem because there's going to be a lot of surprises, I think, in the coming months and, and years. Um, it's really great, an amazing community. You know, it's uh, such a diverse community of people that are not some of them are not so crypto knowledgeable some others are very crypto knowledgeable and it's it's very diverse and that's one of the most interesting things i think as well awesome thank you so much alvaro for for your time it's always a pleasure to have you here and i hope to have you again when the let's see how next time we're going to be in the episode how the market's going to be right i think that's quite an interesting new episode that we're going to have then uh guys don't forget to check borderless website uh and check out all the things that they're doing for the space and thanks so much you and your team for for your time and for your money let's say <laughs> uh have a great um not our money i have to mention this is uh, obviously made possible by the the limited partners that put a trust in, in in us managing their funds right so it's it's funds that we manage uh, who, who make this possible yeah no of course um well thanks so much everyone and see you in the next episode of the deep in hub podcast deephub.io cheers